welcome, welcome. Chris Hall, your guide, navigator, host, whatever, to the South Dakota Game Fishing Parks podcast. Still unnamed. Either one of you got <laughs> ideas on a name? I got nothing. I'm creative. Still got nothing. Anyway, uh, today I have Wildlife Conservation Officer Diana Landigent and Park Ranger slash Conservation Officer Chelsea Beal. Uh, they're up in Mobridge for law enforcement training this week, doing pepper spray training, etc. I think I watched um, Chelsea get tackled like... 20 times today. Uh, Diana had the riot gear on. Pretty awesome stuff. Um, stuff that the law people won't let me do, but they totally should because there would be all kinds of motivation for some of these law guys to tackle me. So. There might be some of that this afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I, I might be the uh, might be the guinea pig. So, so let's start with that. Put me through, first of all, Chelsea, how did you get chosen? How did you end up being the bad guy in the scenario? Well, um, we actually set up scenarios where each officer is in charge of a different scenario and then the officer is a role player. So um, because I'm a DT instructor now, I got to be uh, the lucky duck that (laughs) got to be taken to the ground a bunch today. (laughs) So got a couple bruises to prove it, but that's all right. You've gone through that training as well? Yes. As a DT? Yep. Take, Take me through because they were explaining this to me and this is way off board. I don't even have any questions for this. But both of you, feel free to chime in. You have to go through extra training to go get tackled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? we, we go through training to train our other conservation officers. So we're considered trainers. So we go through different types of, well, specifically defensive tactics, where we go through knife defense, handgun, long gun, retention and disarming, PPCT, which is handcuffing, uh, pain, pressure points, yep, pain, pain compliance. compliance. So there's a lot of training that we have to go through in order to train other officers. Yeah. And this year we just started um, a different ground fighting method. And so we spent a whole bunch of time together in Madison this year uh, really beating up on each other. So. Right. And one of the guys was talking, it's more uh, like even the MMA kind of jiu-jitsu stuff. It's pretty technical. It is. Yes, um, our our instructor for that that actually came up from Kansas City really was really good at what he did, but there was a lot of times where we stood back and had to go, okay, holy cow, that was like seventeen steps. Do this again. <laughs> so. Right, and and you have to go through that to get beat up. That's <laughs> so. Anyway, let's get back to it. Tell me about yourself, um, Chelsea. I'll start with you since we've never really met that much. But where are you from? I am actually from Platte, South Dakota. Right. Um, And you're stationed? I am stationed at Snake Creek. I'm in charge of Snake Creek, Platte Creek, and Baronix campgrounds in the summertime. Um, But I actually live in Cologne. Oh, right. And so hometown girl. And how did you get to where you are now? I know we talked a little bit about schooling or everything. Mm -hmm. Tell me your career path up until this point. I actually started out as a jailer with Charles Mix County. I was there for about three months, and then they had an opening, and the sheriff approached me and asked me to become a deputy. Um, And so I did that. I was in Charles Mix for uh, almost two years, and then I went to Gregory County. um, And then this job came open with the park. I had actually worked for Justin Thede beforehand. Um, I was a seasonal down there before... um, when I was younger, and he actually sent me a text message and told me that they were having this new position where I would be a park ranger for them and then work some wildlife in the fall and winter time, uh, and asked me if I was interested in applying, and I did, and I've been there since April of last year. Cool. That's a cool job. Diana, I know your background a little bit, but same stuff. Where are you from? 
I'm originally from Alexandria, South Dakota. Right, that, and that's a suburb of Spencer, right? <laughs> Close to Mitchell. Right, and where'd you go to school? Uh, Hanson High School. And then uh, for college, I went to SDSU. Right, just along with everybody else in the department yeah. except for me. And how long, I remember when you were a newbie, but how long were you, How long have you been with the department? Uh, about six years now. Six years in November. Yep. Time passes. I remember when you were just a little newbie. Yeah, <laughs> scary, I'm old. So, biggest question for audience sake, and, and Chelsea, maybe you can take this, because you have actually both pers- perspectives. But So, when I started with Game Fishing Parks as a communications guy, my dad just is, is telling everybody I'm a game warden. And I think that's probably some of the perception. Um, let's run through some of the differences between being a CO and being a park ranger. Okay, um, so April through basically the end of September, I work just the parks. I do all the law enforcement there. Um, The main difference for me is the administrative rules. Um, So I do all the enforcement of those within the park, but I also can jump in and check fishermen, um, some jet ski problems, that sort of deal. We actually just had a boat accident that I went and assisted Travis March on. I'm I'm kind of their backup in the summer, mm-hmm. um, but then in the fall they actually send me all over. Last year I was in Mobridge, Oneida, Pier, um, and then helped out in Millette County and Tripp County uh, after Nate Stuckel uh, left that position to take a different one, and so. That I kind I kind of consider myself a floater. <laughs> um, I just kind of go around where they need me. Um, worked with Trevor last year up here for the West River Deer Opener, and he took me around, kind of showed me the area, and then um, basically it was he showed me some space places to watch, and just kind of was a second set of eyes for him. So yeah. that's that's fun for me. I think this year will be a little bit smoother. I know a little bit more of what I'm doing than sure. I did last year, and know the area better. So. That was one of the hurdles last year was just I haven't really been up here uh, to work and so it was more getting to know the area but now I've right. found found some spots and know a little bit more of what's going on and so this this fall should be fun. Yeah it's got to be really different where it like in the park you're you know the spots right and the the people change in and out every couple of days but your spots are still the right. same right? Yep. <laughs> so Diana, building off this, uh, you know, in six years, how's your job changed? I mean, I would guess, like, coming into an area new, mm-hmm. I mean, that's fairly overwhelming. I can't even imagine it. But that first couple of years, are you spending just trying to meet landowners, meet people? Absolutely. Meeting the landowners, I thought, was the most challenging, but yet the most fun. Because in order for me to build relationships, to get to know the area... Um, for lane owners to trust me enough, you know, to call me if they needed anything. That was a huge, a huge thing for me to overcome and work on. And it was a good goal for me to do. So I really enjoyed that part. Um, now I know all the technical names that someone says, oh, you need to go to Bluegrass Road. And I'm like, oh, I know where that is. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been good. I've feel like I've gotten settled in now. Right. And this is a generic question. I know you're going to roll your eyes at me about it, but an average day. Take me through an average day <laughs> at the park. I mean, is there one? Um, for me, I uh, actually work nights mostly um, oh, yeah, throughout the sense. summer. 
Um, so that's a little different than these guys. That that's not their prime time. Right. And so, but that really is for us. That's when most people are coming back from boating and all that. Um, and so normally I'll go and I'll put troll through my different parks, um, kind of keep an eye out, see if there's any fishermen along the shore, that sort of deal. I kind of am a do it all. If somebody needs firewood, they'll flag me down and I go and take a firewood. So, um, it's pretty quiet what I do throughout the summer. And luckily our parks don't have a lot of the problems. Like at Palisades, they have a lot of problems with guys jumping off rocks and that sort of deal. But our three parks are, are pretty family oriented and... Um, we just, we just really don't see a lot of trouble down there. So same kind of same question. Your average day changes between hunting, fishing seasons, whatever season's going on. Yep. But give me a day. I mean, people think, and I I was just having this conversation with one of my friends back home. They were like, well, they're just out on the water and they're, they're writing tickets. (laughs) So what's something that somebody does maybe not know that what you're out there doing? Um, well, when you say... It, you know, it depends on the seasons also. Mm-hmm. I check the weather constantly because I'm like, well, what do I want to do tomorrow? Check the weather. Oh, it's supposed to be 30 mile an hour winds. Nope, I will not be out on the boat. <laughs> so I'd be working boat ramps, boat ramps instead. Um, it's like, it does all depend on the weather, on the season dates. Um, a lot of times too, I will just go sit at boat ramps even if nobody's there because people do stroll through. I have a lot of people stop in, ask questions. Uh, people that just want to stop and visit to talk about the weather or talk about what's going on. So I like to be available to the public and just not go to the office and be visible, go to the gas stations a lot, have coffee. You know, that's where people like to hang out. So I like to make myself visible to everybody. Cool. Uh, For our listeners, if you haven't figured it out, I have two female game warden uh, park rangers. Fairly rare in South Dakota, but I was doing some research. 5,630 game wardens in the United States. 22% 22% are women. I think oh. right now you were one, two of four, and I think we have a mm-hmm. trainee coming in. I saw her in the office yesterday, and uh, I was just like, wow, she's really young. <laughs> I'm old, but uh, 30% of national park rangers are women. I couldn't find anything on state rangers or anything that, mm-hmm. like that. But So those numbers are, are and the trends are actually going you know, quite quickly up. Um, and I think... Doing research, Mary Clausen was our first woman game warden. She's in Aber- she was in Aberdeen up in the northeast corner, um, but that was even in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mary worked for us for a long time. So when you were coming up, going taking your career paths and and, and Diana in school and, and Chelsea, when you got this job opportunity, were you conscious of at all about you know how is this going to work? You know, being a female in a male-dominated job, I'm a I'm a male and I'm the only boy in my crew, so <laughs> I, I can sort of sort of relate. So, were you conscious of that going in? And like Diana, were, how many females did you have going in your classes when you were coming through at SCSU? Uh, there were very few females in my classes, and I believe I was the only one that knew I wanted to be a conservation officer. Um, the thing about it was that I thought it was a lot easier for me was that I grew up on a farm. I grew up riding horses, so I already knew how to do a lot of outside stuff. I didn't start hunting and fishing until I got to college when I made um, some new friends that also did that. So um, I think what helped was I I had a lot of life skills to begin with, so I didn't have as much to learn when I got into the job. You know, even backing up a trailer or hooking up a trailer, that makes a huge difference to know ahead of time. (laughs) And I actually, um, you know, as as a deputy... I was the only female in both departments that I worked for. 
Um, and so I was, I was used to that aspect. Um, but with these guys, it's, it's not really a boys club. Like, I just feel like they just kind of take us in and right. we're one of them. Right. right. Oh, exactly. Sure. I saw that. And I knew that going in, but I definitely yeah. saw that today. Um, do you think being a female is an advantage? As, as a deputy, um, I saw that a lot. It's different now that I'm a park ranger. I don't, I don't feel like I have... Um, the presence that I did when I was a deputy, um, I just feel like when a female steps on scene with a combative male, sometimes you can just talk them down. I was just going to say that. So, um, like I said, as a park ranger, I haven't seen it as much, but as a female in law enforcement, I've definitely experienced it. Yep. I would say the advantage that we have, we like, we know how to talk to people. We know how to calm people down, you know, more so because we like, as women, we like to talk a lot. (laughs) So I would say that helps. And it's funny because... You know, we're seen as less threatening, but then we're the two defensive tactics. Right. I was just about to mention that. that. Um, So you just approached on this a little bit, uh, Diana, but do you think as, and I I don't want you to generalize for everybody, but you personally, do you think your approach or your, like, even personality characteristics and how you approach your job, do you think it's different than some of these guys? And, And does it play into it at all about, I mean, you were, you were talking about like probably communication a little bit more. Yep. I think it depends on the officer and what they have experienced out there. As far as, you know, approaches go, I think we're all the same, but, um, I think we're all generally, if you like to talk, I mean, some guys do too, but you just like to carry on more than, than what other guys would. If that makes, it all makes sense. just... <laughs> Russell came in right. and talking behind your back, but that's no big deal. We'll, I'll get him later. So, but no, that that makes a lot of sense. And and you know, I, when I approached both of you, I said, okay, I want to I want to do this because you have a different perspective, and it's not necessarily because you're females. It's it's a great angle at it, but it's not the angle that we necessarily want to take because everybody's different. I mean, mm-hmm. if you put me in this job, there would be things that I would be really good at, and there would be things that I would be terrible at. Right. And I think probably playing to those strengths and being aware enough to play to those strengths are probably part of that. So, I've, To mention on that, one thing that I can say that I have noticed, so for example, if I need to load a deer in the back of a pickup, some guys will stop and be, oh, you step back, I'll, I'll do this. And I'm like, no, no, you step back, I'm going to do right, it. Right. And like I can see them not doing that with any other conservation officer or you know, male law enforcement, they just let them do it themselves versus, hey, do you need help? I'll right. do it for you. Right. So. That's kind of a Midwest thing, though. Yeah, <laughs> a, little, a, little a little bit, bit more polite. <laughs> so I have a 10-year-old daughter who, uh, when I told her, uh, part of it is because she has, like, she wants to go back to school. But I told her what I was doing today, <laughs> and she goes, oh, I want to come along. I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. Because uh, she's always talked about, um, you know, for as long as... She's been alive. I've worked with Game Fishing Parks, so she's really comfortable around, yeah. you know, people, you know, it's Game Warden, a guy with a gun. Can I see your gun? You know, <laughs> what did you do today? You know, did you see any deer? What would you tell a young girl coming up if she came up to you and said, I want to I wanna do this, what do I need to do? My suggestion would be get outdoors. Do as much as you can outside. Go hunting, go fishing, you know, learn about being outdoors because that's exactly where we are all day, every day is outside. For sure. And like for me, um, I don't, I don't have the, the college degree that these guys do. Um, I just did the law enforcement. And so for me, the majority of my initial knowledge just came from knowing the hunting and fishing laws that 
I've had to follow. So all the archery stuff and deer hunting and the fishing stuff, um, that, that played a big part where I could go, okay, I know that's not right. And I don't have to take the time to look something up. Um, but for, for me, I just really enjoy being outdoors and my family does as well. I grew up camping and hiking and hunting. And so it really just was in my blood and girls can do it too. (laughs) Right. Do you you think it's, and I see it already in school, like with her, like science. Oh yeah. Science. And then even the, the law, the law enforcement part of it too. I mean, cause she comes home and she loves science, but she's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Oh yeah. No, go. Right. I was terrible at it. I mean, yeah. I, I had to work hard. Everything else came easy, but the science part was really hard for me. So I think maybe that's part of it too, is just kind of that science-based. No, that's fantastic. I was terrible in math and I, um, I kind of didn't like how many math classes I took in college because it doesn't make a difference now. <laughs> um, well, you already answered the last my last question, why you yeah. choose this job. But uh, sometimes people are hesitant to say this, but funny stories from the field. Got anything that sticks out? We don't have to bring up names. Just a funny situation. Funny anything. situation. Legendary oh. story. My favorite is watching Steve Rosso with uh, bull snakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not a big fan. Oh, I'm not either. I, I, I was never afraid of snakes until I moved to Peter. Uh, we did, I guess I'll just share a campground story. We uh, kept a tally the other day. We had the power go out throughout the whole campground. It actually was out all the way to Platt. And we had 35 people come in. And ask us if the power was out while our building was dark. (laughs) And we had one person ask us if we had individual generators for all of the campsites. So (laughs) different different people that you run into just all the time. (laughs) The only one that I can think of was was working road hunters. And I was watching this guy road hunt. And he shot from his vehicle illegally. He didn't have a handicap permit. And I saw him run out in the field. And at that time I drove up behind him. And I see him run back and get in his vehicle. So I made contact with him, get up to the front window, and he's covered in blood. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, do you need an ambulance? Are you hurt? What happened? Did you shoot yourself? He looks in the mirror, wipes it off, and says, oh no, it's just pheasant blood. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, well, that's uh, good. (laughs) At least I don't need to call an ambulance. Right, yeah. But here's your ticket. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, we're doing a lot. I just got back from a, a, a like a week long conference in Lincoln, Nebraska, talking about R three recruitment, retention, reactivation. Um, we're losing our hunters and anglers. Baby boomers are getting older. They're stopping hunting. They're um, leaving the earth, uh, to put it nicely. But the one thing that you see is the female demographic continues to grow. Your two perspectives. Why? Why do you think that is? Why is the female that demographic, why are more women getting involved in the outfit? Um, From what I can see is the shooting sports. As far as, you know, 4-H is a big one that I see. Uh, the archery, I see a lot of women gravitating towards the archery. And I, I had heard it was due to some of the recent movies that came out, like The Hunger Games. Um, and that piqued kids, you know, girls' interest in that. Uh, so I think that's great. I didn't have an opportunity like that when I was growing up. I wish I did. So that's what I think it's what, you know, what they're seeing on television. Cause you know, that's a huge part of everybody's mm-hmm. life nowadays, you know, video games too. But the fact that they do play, 
I hate to go back to this, but go and play in the video games where it's hunting games, you know, you know, maybe that'll pique their interest in actually going outside and doing it. We've also got different programs throughout the state. I know right. the Becoming an Outdoors Woman, that one, that seems like a great program. Um, I know Diana goes and helps, and it just seems like it's a great program. To touch on that, too, um, I'd always, I had instructed at it for three years, and then finally this year I said, I don't want to instruct, I just want to participate. Right, right. So I'm taking classes, like cooking classes, canning classes, anything related with food. That's, I said, what I want to do because I know little about as far as canning goes so i said yep sign me up i don't want to teach i just want to participate and i got my mom and my sister signed up who have never done it before either so that's great i think another just just to touch on it um i know platt's got a great trap shoot program and they go to state every year and my sister is involved in that and just loves it and tells me about all these different girls that she meets and makes friends with and all that and I just think it's really cool that we can have that competition um kind of in in the off sports season for those younger kids and stuff that they can get out and shoot a gun and just be excited about it so cool um as as a professional in the outdoor field got any ideas on how to reach not only just females but you know the millennials is the big drive now right we're trying to connect with these with younger kids on like whether it's food movement like the locavore stuff um just i'm reaching out on this to you guys because i'm asking everybody got any ideas on on approaches on uh, how to do things better even stuff that we are doing we could do it better or just something just a new great idea that's a hard one. <laughs> that is, you didn't prepare us for that one. I even put our uh, former GFP secretary, uh, John Cooper, I asked him that, and he just he took a double take, and he never double takes. Um, yeah, I just throwing it out there. I mean, I think, you know, the two of you would have a really good perspective on it because, and, and I think, Diana, you even touched on it, you know, just getting outside and doing those things, backing up a trailer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, 80% of people can't do it right and but that's a big part of it whether it's your hauling wood or you're fishing or hunting or anything so yeah well and i actually have people ask me a lot about my job just because i post pictures on facebook all the time of this is my office today and everybody's like that's so cool i wish i had your job and all that and i'm it's not i mean you can do it it's it's an attainable job it's And it's fun. So, like I said, the best part for me is I get to travel all over and I get to see a lot of this state. And with my siblings being younger, um, a lot of their friends that are in high school and middle school that know me too and are constantly asking me about my job. And I've actually had, when I was a deputy, had a couple of ride-alongs and I've actually had people approach me and ask if they can do ride-alongs just with as park ranger aspect of right. it too. People that are interested in becoming either COs or park rangers. So I get a lot of questions about what I do and I just think that if we can connect, like I said, through social media and just getting into the schools and getting to know some of those kids, I think that would really help. The hard hitting questions are over, but I just wanted to read you this because I I was doing research and there's like ten different claims for the first woman CO in the United States. (laughs) And I finally found her. Her name was Hoodle Neal. She's from Grand Traverse County, Michigan, 1897. Wow. And the reason cool. she became a game warden because she was, quote-unquote, fed up with local characters taking too many fish. <laughs> so she wrote the head game warden in Michigan, who ended up being the governor, and asked for a deputy <laughs> appointment. And the write-up in the paper was pretty fantastic. It wasn't anything that I would think from 1897. Mrs. Neal is a woman of determined character, excellent qualifications for such a position, 
She's an active woodswoman, a good shot, and can give cards and spades to any man in the manipulation of fishing or with a fishing rod. She's an ardent supporter of game fish laws and takes interest in their preservation. So it was just, I thought that was cool that, you know, 200 years ago or right. 100 and whatever years ago that, I mean, he mentioned woman once and it was like, right. she's willing to step up. She can do it. Awesome. Yep. That's so, really cool. That's very neat. Right. And and I, I knew from, you know, like I said, Chelsea, we're just meeting, but I, I've seen Diana at work and she always volunteers for the fair. So I love her for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's, it's never once that I've thought, wow, she's, she's a really good woman CL. It's just, she really knows her stuff. So, you know, that's, and I think we're there. I mean, the, the, you know, the percentages are crawling up, but I think we're there, but, um, I just want to say thanks for that. And, well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, you're always a really good hand. When there's <laughs> questions when she's there, I just turn around. <laughs> but I think that's all I got. You got anything else that I missed on that? I know you guys, you're a, a CO, um, probably has more of a varied job. I mean, you talk about getting up every day and you never know what you're going to come across. And some of this training even, you know, kind of portrays that too. But, but I thank, thank you for your time. I think it was pretty awesome. I hope it wasn't too painful. No, thanks for asking us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. How can time fly just pass by without saying hi to me? How can time fly just pass by without saying bye to me? Hi, this is Thea from the Outdoor Campus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today we're going to talk to one of our full-time employees here and find out how he got here, because that's kind of an interesting story. So I'd like to introduce you to Patrick Klotzbach, who is the Statewide Hunt Safe Coordinator for South Dakota. Hey, Pat. Hi. How are you guys? <laughs> we're, we're good here. Um, we want to check with you and uh, find out about how you grew up kind of in the outdoors and and where you started. We know that you started here at the outdoor campus a long time ago, but how did you start here? Well, I started here when I was a kid. I would come out here and walk the trails. And then when I went to high school, we'd actually run the trails here at the outdoor campus. I really didn't know what it was until I got into college and started doing an internship. Um, one of the one of my classmates did an internship here at the outdoor campus and said it was a great, great opportunity. Um, so I decided to apply for that in the winter of 2010. And I've been here ever since. So what was your first job here? Uh, I was a naturalist intern um, here when I would do all the classes, teach classes, teach programming, do do anything anybody asked. <laughs> anything, huh? What were some of the what were some of the classes that you taught? Uh, I taught fishing primarily. Um, I that was what I liked to do when I was growing up, um, and then I started learning how to do all the other stuff, and you know everything kind of flowed into each other, and um, so. To this day, I still am uh, teaching fishing and everything else. So now looking back on it, on what you did as an intern here, um, well, first of all, what what do you think is your favorite thing that you learned working here as an intern? Oh, geez, I don't know. I mean, it was a, kind of an honor to be an intern here. I, I, pretty much everything was fun. I never really had a time where I didn't want to come to work, so I guess that's a good sign. My favorite thing... Uh, hanging out with all the interns and, and teaching with them, that was fun. Uh, my least favorite thing, you know, I don't really know. 
I, I mean, I taught any everything from little little kids to adults, and I don't really know if I had a least favorite op, you know moment. Well, that's good to hear. Other than a lady falling through the oxbow with her snowshoes. Oh, I bet that was a sticky mess. <laughs> yeah, that was a smelly mess. <laughs> smelly, yeah. The oxbow does smell terrible, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the hazards we have here at the outdoor campus. No one, t- no one told me that I shouldn't take snowshoes, snowshoes across the oxbow. Oh, nobody told you that, huh? Mm-hmm. So it <laughs> just happened. Somebody fell through. What happened? How'd you get her out? Uh, the oxbow is only a couple, couple inches deep in the winter, so we just, she just lifted herself out, but she wasn't too happy about her boot being all full of mud and smelly. Oh, and that smells so bad, even in the winter time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's been more than one time that we've had to deal with that kind of mud. Right. <laughs> it's sticky and gross. That's uh, what a wetland is like, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, do you think that your internship here influenced your future, the the job that you're doing today? Uh, yeah, I was an intern for my last year and a half of college and decided to go back and get my master's so I could keep being an intern here. Um, in hopes that a job would actually open up, and it eventually did. So, I mean, I kind of am a lifer now. I would hope I am anyways. Uh, still haven't signed my intern resignation letter yet, so. <laughs> you still have that possibility. Right. <laughs> um, so what was your first job here? The naturalist intern. Besides that one, oh, though, step like out, your first outreach, real job, yeah. Outreach. So that job started, when did we start that, in 2013? Probably. 2012, 2013, we started that, and that was my first position, and I did that for about two to three years, where I traveled uh, with a trailer and went to schools and did programming about all sorts of activities you can do out in the nature in South Dakota, and then I also taught skills with, like, archery, BB guns, shotguns, 22s. Um, for identification and many other different types of things where that you can learn learn to do in the outdoors. And I taught those in the surrounding counties in our region and um, did that and had a lot of fun traveling, seeing yeah. places I'd never seen before. So That program was new when you started it, so you're, yep. you're really the first one to do it. And one of the things I love about that program is that you guys um, organize this trailer that's full of all this equipment, and it travels all over the state. And uh, you also had it wrapped. And yeah, we wrapped it. Yeah, traveling that makes billboard. a big difference. Yeah, traveling billboard. Right. Put a bunch of happy kids doing outdoor activities on the outside of it, and people notice it. I'm, I'm all about brand recognition. So There you go. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Brand recognition for South Dakota Game Fish and Parks. Yeah. Awesome. So you did that for a few years, and then, then what happened? Um, and then uh, opportunity opened up about taking over the hunter safety or hunter education position for the statewide uh, coordinator, and I decided to throw my name in the hat and was selected, and here we are today. And so I, my office is in Sioux Falls, but I travel quite often to uh, peer and surrounding areas, and you know we have meetings with our instructors. We have an instructor base of about 300 or so. Wow. And so... I travel around, do updates and trainings with them, enjoy talking and working with those guys. And um, I also do a lot of stuff with our new mentor hunting, our apprentice hunting, our national archery in the schools program that we're doing. Um, We also do, I do some stuff with grants. I monitor two grants right now, uh, three actually, three grants, and uh, make sure that everything is, uh, is going well with those. That's neat. Um, you provide a lot of opportunities for people throughout the state then to uh, learn about hunter safety and also to do the archery in the schools program. Yep. 
Um, so you travel a lot. Do you get to work with kids very often anymore, or is um, it mostly it's, teaching the teachers? Yeah, it's mostly teaching the teachers now. I don't. I, I work with kids when I when I have to fill in or anything, but normally it's just you know making sure that the instructors are doing their job and all the all of our grants are are being done correctly, and so it's a lot more office work now than than actually teaching. Do you think that, um, you know, people sometimes think that game fishing parks, that uh, it's fun to work here because we all get to go hunting and fishing a lot more than everybody else. Do you think that's a myth or is that true? Well, I don't think it's a myth. I think we know where the good spots are. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> so, you know, there's not a whole lot of scouting to be done anymore. But, you know, there's sometimes where the last thing you really want to do is go outside and, and hunt or fish because you've been doing it all week doing something. But... You know, getting outside, it, you never should complain. So that's right. And you know, they always say if you do a job you you love, it doesn't feel like you're doing the job. Right. Yeah. Um. So you get to teach a lot of teachers. Um. Have you had any fun experiences that um, you know, tripped you up, or you didn't know what was going to happen next, or well, get stuck on a road? <laughs> well, I. Sh- there's not a whole lot of wood in here. I haven't gotten stuck on the road. There was one trip in the wintertime. I have to travel in the winter. That's sometimes scary. Um, we do a lot of training with adults now, or at least I do, with a lot of pe- physical education teachers in our NAS program, and it's always fun to watch them teach their peers because they're used to teaching their students but not their peers, so it's always a good time. And try to lighten the mood up in there um, when we do that. Uh, yeah, for being stuck, I don't know. Every once in a while, I get a good brain buster question and have to get back to them, but not so much. But you've learned a lot about game fish and parks oh, and yeah. wildlife management over the years. What, what did Legislation, you... wildlife management, I mean, you name it, stuff I never thought I'd ever know. Right. What did you major in in college? Uh, outdoor recreation and a business minor. And you went to which USD. School? USD. Yeah. It's kind of unusual for game fish and parks. Rarity, yeah. It's a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you had some advice for people who wanted to have a career in South Dakota game fish and parks, what would you tell them? Where would you tell them to start or, um, I would make sure that, you know, that's something they really want to get into. It's a pretty competitive field. Um, so make sure that they really want to do it because, you know, in all competitions, there's usually only one victor and, you know, you have to do a lot of internships. You have to study, you have to make sure, you know, you have to get your name out there so people know that you're a hard worker or, your professors know you're doing really well in school. Do some ride-alongs with some of our conservation officers so that you can see, you know, is this a day-to-day life? Because they don't work an 8-to-5 job. They usually work, um, you know, many different hours, overnight, anything. Um, try to go out maybe for a day or two with our wildlife damage specialists and see what they have to deal with when it comes to uh, tackling deer or geese, you know. Uh, go out with our fish guys when they spawn or there's all our opportunities with them habitat learn about the different plants um you know there's many different avenues you can take you just you know it's competitive so you got to make sure that you you try a bunch of them but the more you can do the better and always become a hunter safety instructor i I give great reviews to good uh good instructors that's great well thanks for joining us today patrick and Good luck uh, with all the Hunt Safe classes that are coming up this fall. And tell everybody, sign up for the class if you haven't had it yet, because we could all, even us old hunters, could right. use a little bit of reminder. Right. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hope everything is going well. How can time fly just pass by without saying hi to me? 
Venerable Thea Miller Ryan of the Sioux Falls Outdoor Campus. Never been to the campus. Uh, You've uh, been missing out. Shame on you. Where you been? Uh, do some awesome programming. Almost all of it's free. Uh, kids programming, adult programming. Uh, check it out. The Outdoor Campus. Um, kind of tucked in on, kind of off of 49th, kind of back behind the mall. Uh, but I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here. Anyway, we're going to get it wrapped up for this first podcast episode. Um, hope you like it. Just gonna kind of do a little freeform stuff here. I want to talk about the new deer proposal that's coming up. Um, that uh, the the commission, the GFP commission, has has proposed. Um, getting lots of comments, lots of feedback, and stuff on that. Uh, we've been doing a lot of outreach. Um, whether you're for or against the proposal, I really do encourage you. Go to gfp.sd.gov backslash deer. You can click on a, a link there, and the, there's a uh, presentation that uh, Special Projects Coordinator Kevin Roebling um, went through on his road show that he did with a bunch of deer hunters. Take a look at it, get informed, get involved. The other thing, uh, gfp.sd.gov backslash commission. Um, you can find the schedules, all the proposals. There's the place you make your public comments. There's a link there. You click on it. You can make official public comments and be part of the public record. Really, the commission really does rely on those those comments. Um, but the big thing with the comments is people ask me all the time because I think I've missed two commission meetings in 12 years. Um, being the being a communications guy, you know, do they do these comments matter? And and I say they do without without a doubt. It's 100. percent um, Biggest thing with with your comments is give your reasons, lay them out. Um, why you're for, why you're against something it makes your argument makes your makes your comment more effective and more meaningful if if you can really put into words why you're against something. So that deer proposal will go September sixth and seventh in Yankton's already gone, and then uh, in October fourth and fifth at Cadillac Jacks in Deadwood. Meeting will start at one p.m. Mountain Time on October fourth with public. Uh, the public hearing on the 4th at 2 p.m. If you can't make it out to Deadwood, which is completely understandable, but you want to still listen along, want to keep uh, keep informed of what's going on, uh, get on that smartphone gadget thing you got and uh, search for SD.net, the South Dakota Network. We uh, live stream those commission meetings. I think it's pretty important for people to be able to listen to the thought processes of, of the commissioners and, and the staff and the other people who are testifying, especially during that, that public hearing process. So uh, we'll keep on plugging on. Uh, so that's about all the time we got for now. Hope you liked it. Episode one is now in the books. Uh, if you've got any ideas for guests or heck you even want to be on and we can talk about whatever you'd like to do, it's chris, C-H-R-I-S dot hall at state dot S-D dot U-S. And uh, episode one, we're out. Bye.